Thank you, Father. Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, for your, your presence with us. We thank you, Lord God, that you're faithful, that you're true. Thank you, Lord, that, Lord, even, Lord, in the, in the challenging times, Lord, that we, we know, Lord, you're closer than a, than a brother, closer than any friend. And, Lord, in these, in these moments, Lord, as we just take a moment just to rest in your presence, Lord, we give, you, we give you glory. Lord, just well up within us a thankfulness for all that you have done. Lord, help us, Lord, to keep our gaze fixed on you, the author, the perfecter of our faith. Lord, you've brought us this far. Lord, we thank you that you will bring us to glory. Bring us, Lord, one day to rejoice in you as we really ought to. And Lord, what we now do in part, Lord, one day we will do in complete fullness when we see you face to face. So Lord, we say worthy is your name, worthy of honor, worthy of glory, worthy of all power. Amen. It's going to come to God's Word. We're going to come back to a little bit of worship and communion a little later on. Just a, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story um, of a couple of guys who risked everything just so they could worship God. The altar that this guy had built was probably the largest anybody had ever seen. It was made just of pure gold. And, and this statue was, is, is probably just the most incredible thing. And King Nebuchadnezzar had commissioned it. And then he had called all of the officials, all of the leaders, he called every single person to come and worship this statue. So when the music played, everyone was commanded to bow and to worship it. However, if anyone did not fall down and bow before this particular statue, they, the punishment was severe. They would be going to be thrown into this fiery furnace because Nebuchadnezzar got what Nebuchadnezzar wanted, okay? No questions asked. If he spoke, you had to listen. So as soon as the, the sound of the horn and the pipes and the drums were heard, the people from every nation, from every race, from every single language, they fell down and they worshipped this golden statue. That is, except for Shedrick, Meshach, and Abednego. They worshipped God alone. So they stood there, and they would not bow down before any other god. Now, they may have got away with it if it wasn't for the royal officials because these guys, well, they were very jealous. They didn't like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so they, they could not wait to go and tell the king what had happened. And King Nebuchadnezzar was anything but happy. He flew into a rage. He, he ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought before him immediately. And the king, yelling at them, said, Is it true that you have refused to bow down before my statue. Who do you think you are? 
that you would disobey the king. I wasn't joking about that furnace. Who is going to save you now? But they dared to reply, the Lord of heaven can save us. His power is greater than any other power. He can save us from the fiery furnace. And even if he chooses not to, we will not bow or worship before any other God or any statue. The king at this point was about to explode. His face was going red. He looked as if it was just about to burst. He was absolutely furious. So he ordered the men to turn the furnace up to seven times hotter than it's ever been before. Then he got the strongest men to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the fire was so hot that even the strongest soldiers were burnt up, even coming close to the fire. Yet somehow, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not. And as the king watched, he sort of began to rub his eyes. He couldn't believe what he was seeing, because right before them, before him, the most incredible thing was happening. He said, didn't we throw three men into the fire? Well, how can I see four? And he says, one of them looks like a god. Their ropes are burnt, but yet somehow these men are just just walking around. It doesn't seem to be affecting them at all. How can this be? So, so King Nebuchadnezzar went as close as he dared go to the door, and he, he, he sort of called out to them, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the one true God, come out. And no one could believe what was happening. Amazingly, they were not hurt, but the hurt by the fire in any way. Their hair wasn't singed. Their clothes weren't burnt. There wasn't even the smell of smoke from them. God had protected these three men. And the king's response was this just radical change of heart. Not surprisingly, he praised the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who had sent an angel to rescue his servants who had served him so faithfully. They had risked their lives by refusing to worship any other God except the one true God, and their God had saved them. So what does it look like for us, whatever age we are, to put God first in our lives? See, it's very unlikely that any of us, at least in the UK, are going to experience the sort of, the sort of challenges and, and things that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to go through. But actually, at this very moment, there are places right across our world where there are people experiencing exactly that because they believe in Jesus. And their only crime is that they will worship no other God except for the one true God. But what is true of every Christian is that our faith is tested by how we react to challenging situations. So when the pressure is turned on, when the heat is turned up, how are we going to respond to that? Let me just give four, again, very quick thoughts. First is this, just be willing to take a risk. See, whether we like it or not, 
we face risk. We can't avoid it even if we wanted to. All our plans for tomorrow can be, can be spoilt in a moment by a thousand unknowns. So it doesn't matter whether you stay at home in bed or whether you, you fancy going mountain climbing or, or something else. And so often we can sit in church with just this sort of false sense of security, afraid to take a risk for God. But listen, it is right to take risks for the cause of God. So even though we don't know what the future holds, God does. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows, we, we, he, he holds the future in his hand. You see, what looks like a risk to us is not a risk to God at all. So are we willing to follow Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego's example in believing that God will be with us and that even if, we, if things don't work out as we think they should work out for us, we're going to still worship him anyway? And I appreciate that, that sometimes going out on the streets and, and doing this and doing stuff we're going to do in a moment is, is a little bit challenging. It challenges me and I know it challenges some of you guys as well. But if we want to see people come to Jesus we need to be prepared to tell them, you're prepared to take some risks. And that applies to what we do during the week in our workplaces, in our schools, in our, in our universities and, and colleges. But as, even as we step out, we don't do it alone. We can attempt great things for God because He is with us through His Holy Spirit. The second thing, don't be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy 1.8, Paul tells Timothy and actually directs him not to be ashamed of, of three things. He says, don't be ashamed of the name of Christ, the people of Christ, or the gospel of Christ. Now, was it that Timothy was particularly timid? We don't actually know that, but he certainly was young. He perhaps was weak. He was inclined maybe to, to hold back. But if Timothy had not felt ashamed, Paul would not have spoken. In fact, if Paul himself had never felt ashamed, he would not have said so strongly years earlier in Romans 1 verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And actually, if this was not a common temptation, Jesus wouldn't have said himself, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him. And each of us at some time or other have kept quiet when we should have spoken. There are times when I have kept my head down, when I should have stood up. Let's be bold for Jesus. Never be ashamed for him. Third thought is this, that let's expect God to do the impossible. Dream big dreams with God at the center of everything that we do. The truth is that God will do exactly what we expect him to do. Now, I know God is sovereign, God, but yet God uses us, uses our prayers, uses and works through us. And if your expectation is very little, you will get exactly what you ask for. So let's be willing to dream big dreams. Let the size of your God determine the size of your dreams, not the other way around. See, the God who allowed men to walk through a fiery furnace, who closes hungry lions' mouths, who can part the seas, who calms the storms, is the same God that we worship today. In fact, he is the God of the impossible. And Jesus, as he, as he healed the sight of a blind man in Luke chapter 9, 24, he says, according to your faith shall it be done to you. 
So let's pray for God to stretch our faith for salvation, for healings, for, for miracles. As we step out onto the streets, as we, we go to work, as we connect up with, with our friends and family in the next week, let us believe that God can lead us to the right people, that He can give us the boldness and the courage that we need, that He can, he can give us the right words at the right time. May we live in a Christ-centered, God-glorifying way. Let our expectations of God be for God to do what only God can do. And then finally, let's learn to live. Let's learn to live for an audience of one. It's easy, easy to become concerned about what everybody's thinking. And don't get me wrong, we, we all want to be liked. We all like to be liked. However, if all we ever do is worry about other people's opinions, it will always hold us back. Instead, be concerned about what God thinks. Seek after His heart and His will for your life. Be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Worship God with all of your heart. So even, even if He chooses not to do what you think He should be doing, or if you take a risk and it just doesn't work out, worship anyway. Seek after God's presence. Learn to live for an audience of one. He really is all that matters. So I want us just to take a moment. We're going to come to communion, the breaking of bread, and, and we're going to worship, and we're going to remember what Jesus has done for us. And Jesus has left us this very special way of doing it. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14 and verse 17, Paul emphasizes just the importance of the resurrection. And if Christ he says, has been not, sorry, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in sin. And then Paul proclaims, verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. That's our hope. So we rejoice and we, we celebrate in that. And we do it by obeying Jesus' instructions. And together we take the Lord's Supper, we take communion, whatever you like to call it, we, and we proclaim His death until He comes. But we always do it from the vantage point of the resurrection. So yes, we remember the beaten body of Christ, remember the whippings that he went through, remember his blood that was poured out for our forgiveness for sin and the deliverance and a deliverance from death. It was, it was by his stripes that we are healed, but we do nothing, but we, but we do it knowing that Jesus is victorious, that he's Lord of all, that he's, he's alive today, he's defeated death and we give thanks to Him, our Lord and our Savior.